I'm Rob Skinner, and this is the Rob Skinner Podcast. This week, I interview Kyle Plum from San Diego, California. Kyle is a campus minister in the northern part of San Diego County, and I actually hired Kyle to come to Tucson this weekend and tune up our campus ministry and also preach to the church. Listen as Kyle shares about the state of campus ministries in our movement and what they need to do to grow going forward. All this and more on the Rob Skinner Podcast. Welcome back to the Rob Skinner Podcast. My goal is to inspire you to live a no-regrets life, make this life count, and multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. I hope you're having a great Super Bowl Sunday. I'm looking forward to watching the Chiefs play the Eagles. I don't really have a, a favorite. I'm really a Patriots fan because my wife is a Patriots fan. She's she's from Boston, and of course, they're knocked out. So we're going to have a good time. It'll be a lot more peaceful there that we don't actually have a team in the fight, but hope you're having a great time. I want to remind you about the CLIMB conference coming up this year, November 30th through December 3rd in Dallas, Texas. And it is a conference for small church leaders and for people who want to grow, do missionary work, make disciples, people really wanting to learn. And this is, here's something that's super exciting. We've got a couple great, we've got several speakers already committed. Sean Wooten is coming from the uh, Moldova, and Sean Elena Wooten are coming. Dave Bliley is coming from um, New Zealand, and, you know, these guys are amazing. Dave's just, you know, they've been doubling their ministry down there, and so really been working with my co-organizers, Joel Pete and Joel Nagel, to get people who are really doing it and growing their churches and really on the cutting edge of missionary work. And I wanted people from around the world, not just in the States. And so I'm just glad to have them also coming. And also Darren Overstreet from Tampa, Florida is going to be coming. He's going to be doing a lesson on progressive theology. And so it's going to be exciting as the list of speakers grow, but you don't want to miss this. And you can register today, and I want to ask you to do that. Go to robskinner.com, look for the registration tab for the CLIMB conference, for the next couple months, it's $125, and then it's going to go up to $150, and then $175. So it's well worth it. If you're thinking, oh, I don't know if I got the money, borrow it. Ask your mom. Ask your dad. Ask your Uncle Joe. Just get there. You, you Once you get there, you'll go, man, this was so worth it. I would have paid five times this amount. It's going to be a great time. This weekend's been a great weekend because I've asked Kyle Plum to come out and help out our campus ministry. Now, you may have heard Kyle's earlier interview that I did this last summer, and Kyle really caught my eye because he's just a fireball. I mean, just cranking his campus ministry. He's got kind of a no-name campus ministry. I think it's Cal State San Marcos or something like that. And he's just turned it. I mean, they grew from like three to 50 and within three years. And I thought, man, I want to talk to this guy. And so we talked last summer. But I kept that in mind, and we've been trying to get our campus ministry growing. It 
turns out we started this last semester in the fall semester with three disciples. And I'm happy we had baptisms. We grew to like nine by the end of the first semester. But I know I know we need help. We've got a great campus minister in Kevin and Erica Liu. Love those guys. Ed Mejia is helping out. Felipe Marais helped out last semester. But it's like, it's my total focus to get our campus ministry to at least, I, I'm just, I'm just, picked a number 20% of our overall church membership so that we have a lot of life and energy in our church. And so I asked Kyle this late last fall, I said, listen, would you mind coming out, sharing what you're learning, teach our campus ministry, preach to the students, help our leaders, help me, you know, just give, put some eyes on this campus ministry and give me advice on what, you know, is going well and also what needs to change. And he's done a great job. Absolutely delighted to have had him come out here. And so I thought it's only right to have him share. And so before he goes back home, I asked him if he wouldn't mind doing a podcast interview with me right after church, right before the Super Bowl. So Kyle, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, Rob. I'm uh, excited to be your Super Bowl Sunday, baby. Good time. Well, you are a football player for the past. Yes. Former. (laughs) Former football player. Colorado State, the Rams, right? Not the The Rams. Yeah, uh, Rob introduced me at church today as I played for the loggers, whoever that is. I, I think Flagstaff, uh, the Northern Arizona. Lumberjacks. Oh, the Lumberjacks. Okay. So whoever's the loggers out there, Rob's a fan. I think uh, loggers was my high school team's freshman football team. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, our, our, the, the varsity team was the minors. The, the freshmen were the loggers. But anyway, back to it. You did a great job this weekend, and I really appreciate your coming out. And I, I wanted to have you come out, and I, I respect you as one of the best young campus ministers in the country that I know of. And you really helped out a lot, been busy. Thanks for all that. What did you find when you came here? Let me know what we need to do to grow going forward. Like when you looked at the campus ministry at the University of Arizona, give me some feedback. Well, I think appreciate you guys having me out here and by no means am I the, the expert on campus ministry. So much of what I, I've learned is from the people who have poured into me. And so, um, you know, I think when I got here, I think the the very quick and obvious truth is that the harvest is very plentiful at the University of Arizona. There's a lot of people on that college campus. I mean, I got in Thursday. Kevin Liu called me. I thought I was going to his house and uh, he was like, Hey bro, meet me on campus. I, I'm thinking we're going to sit down and have a little coffee or something. He was like, all right, let's share our faith for the next uh, 30 minutes. So I was like, all right, let's do it. And so within those 30 minutes, we got, you know, like 10 or so phone numbers of people interested in studying the Bible as we were just walking around. And so I think the the, the big thing I noticed in Tucson as well as just many campus ministries is the harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. Mm. And I think, um, you look at Jesus and, and his ministry, he, he prayed for the workers. He, he And even the disciples in the first century weren't praying, God, give us baptisms. It was make us bold, make us courageous, consider their threats, enable us to be bold and courageous. And so I think just this idea of focusing on the workers, you know, Doug and May talk a lot about in, in San Diego, uh, make the tree good and the fruit will be good. Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, some of the things you and I talked about, Rob, are just walking through life, with the campus ministry staff as well as the students, right. not assuming 
okay, because I, it was a little more natural for me maybe to share my faith. Right. Not assuming they just know immediately, okay, this is how you do it. This mm-hmm. is how you have a quiet time. Right. And so I think some specific things that we had talked about was holding them to a schedule of here's the expectations for you are a full-time campus minister or a part-time intern or a student. Let's make a schedule that reflects not only just a someone who's doing ministry, but someone who's effective in the ministry. So having that, okay, how many Bible studies are we going to be in? What, what, what does that look like to be successful in that area? Or family time, if you have kids, or, um, you know, how much are we sharing our faith? I think, you know, just having those expectations of things with, with the campus ministry staff as well as the students and holding them to the standard that you set for them. So I think that was one thing that jumped out at me was just walking through life with them in those those kind of easy to overlook areas, but things that are super, super important to them being successful on campus. Right. When we talked about this last night and you shared these things with me, I was like, oh my gosh, you're so right. I mean, not not taking things for granted, but really spelling things out like, hey, this is this is what you need to be doing with your time. You know, and I felt really good about spending time on campus this last semester. I'm on, you know, I'm camp- on campus this year, sharing and sharing with tons of people. We met someone who became a Christian, so I feel like in that way I'm walking. But I need to dig deeper and get more specific and help help Kevin out, help Ed out to to know just exactly what they need to be doing and having expectations that are clear. Anything else? Yeah, I think like you shared. I think. The fact that you're on campus is huge because, I mean, how many evangelists that are leading churches are on campuses right now? I think that's so awesome that you're focusing on that. You know, I think teaching teaching people how to think like a campus minister, we can always deal with, okay, you did it wrong or whatever. But so one thing I talked about with, with Kevin and Ed was when you walk in the room, you should know who's in the room. Okay, here are the visitors. They're over here. Okay, here's the disciples. Here's the guy that I'm training why is he not talking to the visitors or, or right. we got to make sure we surround these people having that focus of, I know who's in this room mm-hmm. and our focus is to help make disciples, not to just be a cool social club. And, um, that was really cool. Just, just kind of breaking down the mindset with, with Kevin and, and Ed, not taking for granted those things. Like when you walk into a D time, do you have a plan with the person you're discipling? Right. Or is it just like, Hey, you know, how are you doing? You right. know, how's your period? You're like, do you have a plan of something this person needs to grow in? Do you know your sheep? Yeah. And so that was really good uh, talking about that this past week. One thing I noticed in sharing with you on Friday is you have a very direct approach. In my evangelism, it's been, you know, I'll just share with a bunch of people, invite them to church or, or to Bible talk if we have a Bible talk. But typically it's like, hey, love for you to come to my church or you know, that, that's typically my, but you've got a totally different approach. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I think, what is it that's going to change this person's heart? It's not my, my pizza night or my event, it's getting them in the Bible. And so when I, when I share my faith, uh, the first thing I ask them is, hey, would you like to study the Bible? Right. Or would you like to come to a Bible talk on campus? Like the, the focus is we got to get the word inside of this person because we can invite them to church and, and that's awesome if they want to come to church or they want to come to a midweek, but what is going to move, what's going to convert their heart is getting the word into them. I think there's so many people we've baptized, whether their first time they're at church was the day they got baptized and they're faithful disciples. And wow. so just being direct and, and saying, hey man, I would love to sit down and study the Bible with you. Have you ever studied the Bible before? Well, no, I grew up religious or I'm like, oh, that's awesome. But 
have you ever really sat down and looked at what does Jesus desire for your relationship with him? Wow. Why are you here? Right. So having those direct right. conversations. And, and yeah. you know, it's funny because you weren't afraid to ask people for their phone numbers. No, not at all. I think, okay, if I have their phone number, I'm in control of when this Bible study gets set up. If they have my phone number, they're probably not going to call me. <laughs> and so I got to knock on that door. And yeah. just a practical, I'll, I'll get people's numbers and I'll, I'll contact them three times. If they don't respond within three times, I'll, I'll leave them alone and I'll kind of delete their number. But uh, the goal is to get them, get their number, get them in a Bible study and let God really move their heart. That's amazing. I took you out by the sports complex, kind of the intersection of the football stadium and the basketball arena, and we ran into a ton of, of you know, athletes. You've, you seem to have a really great connection with athletes. Yeah. You know, athletes are funny. Athletes are uh, they're the best people in the world at making you think they're okay, and they got it all together. You know, like, um, you know, they're, they're confident, they're, they're buff, they're big. And uh, that was me, and I was miserable. And I'm in my dorm room, and I'm crying every night, and, like, I want to go home. And, you know, it, like, football's not filling me up anymore. I'm having these identity crises, and I know that's what they're going through. If they don't have Jesus, they may not know it yet, but if you're just direct with athletes or with even with just with sharp people that, that, that look confident, a lot of it's just a, a defense mechanism. So you just got to be honest, be upfront with them, respect them, but speak direct to them. Right. Like, hey, man, I would love to sit down and study the Bible with you. Really, football, you're going to do this the rest of your life? Mm -hmm. What's going to happen when you die? Like, let's talk, man. Let's get right. in the Bible. Right. You can make a huge impact on this campus. So I think just speaking directly to them, uh, I'm not coming to sell you something. I'm coming with the truth. Right. So you're going to listen to me. You can send me away for, you know, after my 20 seconds. But, I mean, all the athletes we talked to, I think we got, what, nine of the 10 phone numbers? Like, it was, right. they were the most open people to that. Right, right. So, yeah, it was it was great. It was really fun and refreshing just to watch you and just be there, kind of shadow what you're doing. I learned a lot, and it helped me to to definitely tune tune up my outreach as I share on campus. Uh, when you think about, it, let, let's just kind of expand the view a little bit. Let's let's take the thirty thousand foot view. What's happening in campus ministries, not just at the University of Arizona, but in in Arizona, in the country, around the world, at least in the States, where do you feel like things are at in our family of churches? Well, it's very apparent, I think, that in the ICOC as well as outside of it, just in the religi religion, Christianity in general, young people are fleeing from churches. Um, and I think you look at our campus ministry, and it seems like most campus ministries are in a rebuilding phase, which is, which is fine. You know, it when I got to the Cal State San Marcos, it was very much in, it wasn't even a rebuilding phase. It was just build it. Like there's never been anything <laughs> there for a long time, you know? And um, as I look at campus ministries around the globe, I think particularly in the U.S., it seems like the international churches are actually doing a pretty amazing job. Maybe God's humbling us in the States. Um, but when I look at campus ministries in the States, not only are we rebuilding but I don't think there's much of a focus on rebuilding. Like not only do we need to rebuild, but um, there's a lot of aging congregations and, and it seems as if the, the leadership in a lot of churches, not, not all, but some are not focused on the campus. Mm. And 
if I if I know correct, when I look back at our past as a church, it seems like that's where the church came from was the campus right. ministry. Right. And so um, it just seems like we're not focused on those ministries right now. Exactly. It, it was interesting. You preached a great lesson today at church. And in the audience was Bruce and Robin Williams. They disciple us, and they're visiting for a time period in February here. And Bruce was at Crossroads. He was at the Crossroads Church of Christ, one of the early, early students. I think he got baptized in like 67 or something. Wow. And so it was just kind of a neat to see the lineage there from Crossroads to, to our campus ministry today. Well, let's talk a little bit about... Um, Let's just imagine you're sitting down talking to another church leader. What do they need to know? What do they need to change? Let's say someone's listening and they're like, man, our campus ministry is in the cellar right now. We're not doing good. COVID just gutted it. We lost a lot of people. What do they need to know? What can they change? What can they do? Yeah, well, I think if you're in that position, I could understand that would be really tempting to be discouraged. Mm -hmm. So I think first thing off is, is that God controls the amount of disciples we make. He makes the seeds grow. So I think take courage, take heart. Don't be discouraged. Like, let's go. I mean, God can grow huge ministries out of nothing. And so I think take courage. Don't be discouraged. But but let's not stay where we're at either. Like, let's put some emphasis on this. And so I think there's a lot of church leaders who are in a lot of meetings. They're on a lot of task forces. None of these meetings are converting souls. None of these task forces are converting souls. Converting souls is... You just got to do the grunt work. We got to get on campus. We got to share our faith. I don't want to talk about the philosophy of campus. Let's just get on campus. Let's share our faith. Let's study the Bible. Let's baptize people. That's that's how you do it. And I think with us in North San Diego, there was nothing we did that was like special or out of the ordinary. Doug and May just focused hard on the campus ministry and poured into me. And we have so many young men and women just dying to be walked with. And now, when you say Doug and May, who who are you referring to? Yeah, so Doug, Doug and May Lovren lead the uh, the North Region of the San Diego Church of Christ. Uh, he 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 appointed me as an evangelist last year, and uh, they poured into me um, in, in my marriage and my family. But they just poured into me like different things. So scheduling, um, how to lead Bible studies, how to lead a Bible talk. They they walked through everything with me, and they didn't assume I knew anything. And yeah. so um, I think if you're a church leader and you want to grow your campus. There's no shortcuts to growing campus. There's not a, you know, a quick fix. It's you got to get with your guy that's leading it, your guy and girl. You got to pour into them. And we just got to get on campus and make disciples. And we got we to gotta, we gotta schedule around making disciples. And right, so right. if your goal is to convert people on campus and you're in meetings all day, it's just not going to happen. Right. So it's great we have all these task forces and all the a lot of American church leaders are in task forces for other places, but their ministry is not growing. Right. Right. Like I don't, I don't want to be on a task force. Right. I want to be with the with the lost. Right. Jesus wasn't on a task force. Jesus was converting <laughs> sinners. You know, he was with the disciples. They were eating together. They were, you know, crying together, right. laughing together, right. walking together. Right. He taught them how to pray. Taught them how to walk with God. Taught them, hey, go out, spread the gospel two by two. You know, when they oppose you, shake the dust off your feet. Like it's pouring courage into people. And I see a lot of campus, uh, not campus. I see a lot of ministry leaders lacking courage lacking putting time into the younger generation. And then I see a younger generation who thinks they know what they're doing. It's like, man, you don't know what you're doing. Mm. We got to pass this on. I I wasn't naturally good at campus ministry. Doug and May Lovren just they taught me. Right. And so I think I think but I was humble. 
Right. And I wanted to grow. I wanted. To, I had questions every D time. Like, what do I do here? And so we got to put the time in. We got to get on campus. We got to cut out maybe some of the fat of meetings or sorry, like if there's that brother or sister that's meeting with you every week about, I don't like the worship or I don't like your <laughs> preaching style. Well, it's like, sorry, bro. I got to, I got to get with my young dude over. I, I can't get with you because the goal is to make disciples. Right. And so I think we got to be unapologetic in that. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about barriers. One of the things for small church leaders can be, I'm the only guy out here. I don't really have a person on campus. I've just got maybe a couple students there. I'm too old. Can I really reach anybody? How do you overcome those 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 fear barriers? I think very simply is uh, don't forget the God that's calling you to go on that camp. Like if you're if you're afraid, then it sounds like we got to grow in our faith. But I think those are very real concerns. If I'm leading a church, I don't have anyone there to help me. I don't have this big staff around me. Well, then it's okay. So God has me here for a reason. Um, I'm meant to be here. The word's the same. The Holy Spirit inside me is the same that would be in a younger person. So maybe I need to go on campus. Maybe right. I need to, I just got to meet the guy. Right. I got to meet one guy that I can pour into right. and help raise him up as the next campus right. minister. Exactly. It's, it's really powerful when you think about just one conversion can totally change the game. I mean, just it's it's powerful when you think about that. Just asking God, God, give me the one guy, you know, just or one person can totally be a game changer. Yeah. You talked a little bit about you know converting somebody that's like you know all of a sudden your ministry is different. Yeah, yeah. You kind of you convert these these. I mean, if you're praying, God, lead me to the people who are crying out for you. God absolutely will answer that prayer. Right. God wants these people to be saved more than we want them to be saved. Right. The problem is the workers. It's not yeah. the harvest. And so yeah. I think that's where we got to check our faith. Okay, where's my faith at? What, what are these, these barriers to my faith? It's the same God. So why would I be afraid of this? Like, God has me here for a reason. If I haven't found the guy yet, it means you're the guy. Right. So you go convert people. Okay, so let's shift the focus from church leadership to students and student leaders. Let, let's imagine someone's on, on campus they don't quite know what to do. They're just a disciple. Maybe, been a, maybe they were baptized as a teen, moved into this campus ministry, or they're converted on campus or whatever. But they're just looking around and going, There's our, our church leader's not on campus. I don't really have any support. What do I do? What would you tell them? You know, that's a great question. I remember my first day in ministry, February 1st, 2018, is the day I officially started campus ministry. I remember I went up to Doug. And I was like, so what do I do? <laughs> you know, I was like, I don't know. I wasn't an intern when I was in college. I, I didn't know. Um, I, think it, I think it's very simple. I think Jesus gave us a great example. And so what did Jesus spend his time doing? Number one, Jesus was with the people. And so just go on campus. Right. You don't have to share your faith all day, but I think just be on campus, be around people. I think number two, obviously, the, the mission is to seek and save the lost. Just share your faith. Invite people to study the Bible. Uh, if you don't have someone that wants to walk with you, then I think you may have to teach yourself how to study the Bible. People and ask for maybe other brothers or sisters in the church who are older, more mature. Say, hey, I need help. Um, we have a plethora of brothers and sisters in our church who know how to study the Bible, who haven't done it in a little while, right. but I think it would totally reinvigorate their faith. Um, right. I mean, yeah. right, so you could get find somebody who's a seeker, and even if you're not a competent 
you know, you're not a competent teacher yet. You haven't gone through all the studies with somebody. You could just recruit somebody who's an old veteran and maybe has been on the bench for a while and pull them in. That's it. How do you grow and study the Bible, people? You're just getting a bunch of Bible studies. Right. My first Bible studies, I was just reading off the paper, <laughs> you know, and I was just like, and my teammates were like, oh, that's awesome, man. Like, <laughs> good job, you know. But they, there was nothing. It was just terrible. I, was, I look back at my first sermon. Like, oh, my gosh. Like, that was terrible. My first Bible talk on campus, I told everyone they're going to hell. It was terrible. <laughs> right? but, but I had a heart to keep trying. And I think, you know, I, we cannot allow other people's mountains to move our faith. Right. And so if the church leader doesn't want to invest in the campus ministry, well, you invest in the campus ministry, or maybe it, that's where you start thinking about, maybe I need to go somewhere to get some training, mm-hmm. and then I'll come back here. That's right. And I'll crank it. So, Okay, so what do you do if you're in a campus ministry and there's some people that are really negative, you know, they're just, they're not into it. They're like, Oh, that'll never work. Or, you know, I don't believe in reaching out or I don't believe in cold contact evangelism or, you know, let's, let's focus elsewhere or whatever. How do you, how do you break that? If, if there's, you know, a lot of negativity in, in the environment. Well, I think a good question to ask yourself is how did that negativity arise? Where, where is that coming from? And I, I, I shared it with uh, Kevin this weekend, but um, my favorite movie, Remember the Titans, Attitude Reflects Leadership. The more my leadership emphasizes we are going to go in, in cold contact share, whether they want to do it or not, I'm going to do it. Right. Eventually, you'll start to change the culture. Right. Because what, what are people? People just need to be led. Mm-hmm. And so if, if you have a, a bunch of negative people, well, eventually as you start to convert people into this way of thinking that we're thinking like Jesus, we're making disciples like Jesus, eventually those people are either going to need to repent and start being like you and being like Christ, or they're probably going to leave. And I remember even my, my first semester in campus ministry, there was a brother who all of our D times were, were just shared. We had one other brother in the campus and uh, he, he was a kingdom kid. And essentially we, for our D times, we would just share our faith together and then we talk and get in the scripture. I remember him running from me on campus because he saw me coming <laughs> and uh, he was like, I don't want to share my faith. He took off running. And so at church on Sunday, I was like, you know, I saw you running from me on campus. And he was like, I know, you know, so I get it. I think I've, I've been there. I think don't allow other people's discouragement to discourage you. That's right. You just need, the prophets were discouraged. They were opposed. They were persecuted. It's, it just takes one person to believe that I've been put here for a reason. I've been put here to make disciples and people will be in heaven someday because God has put me here. That's right. So you be negative all you want. We're going to make disciples. It, it seems like there's been a lot of drama recently in, in our family of churches and, you know, just a lot of stuff going on. I think it, it, it sent a chill down people's spines leadership, members, how do you overcome it? How do you stay focused on the mission in the midst of drama? That's a great question. I think we don't need to defend it. I think God will bring things to light. And so I think with, um, as far as as staying focused on the mission is, uh, we can either go through this drama and people are going to go to hell, or we can go through this drama and some people might be saved. And so, in the end, I think we need to take a heavenly mindset, a heavenly focus. Think about, I'm not going to be here much longer. I need to help people get to heaven in spite of everything going on right. around us. Because, yeah, that, it is some serious drama and some, and some real stuff. And right. 
you know, I, I, I would just pray that each of us would remain focused on why we're here. We're here to make disciples, right? be on the mission, raise up leaders. I'm always amazed at how current events bring out stuff in the Bible that I may have read before but just passed over. I mean, I think about now Paul's prison letters and, and him writing to Timothy and saying, Timothy, don't be ashamed of my chains. Yeah. And just, just, he, he, he was, you know, in legal trouble. He's, he's in jail and he's like, Hey, don't be ashamed of me. You know, don't be ashamed of the gospel. And when people get in trouble with the law, Paul knew it's going to affect the gospel spreading. And yet he just said, Hey, don't be ashamed. Keep preaching the gospel. Yeah. I think that's a huge, I mean, Paul had great faith. That's amazing. You know, and I think hopefully our church starts getting persecuted for being godly. That's right. And so, <laughs> you know, I, with all this stuff, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm, I'm hoping eventually the persecution, at least in America, will come from us being godly yeah. for, for standing up for what's right. And we'll be, we won't have to be ashamed of our suffering. Exactly. That, so you did an amazing job today. And I asked you, I, I'm doing a series on Genesis. So I've, I've talked about Enoch. I've talked about the creation. I've talked about Adam and Eve, um, the creation of man, and I talked about the fall, and then Cain and Abel, and then you you came along, and I asked you to do the flood, and I, I warned people going into the lesson. I said this is probably not going to be rainbows and ponies today, and you know what? It sure wasn't. You just you just brought it. You've got an intensity that is awesome. I, I just love. I mean, you just preach the word. I'm reminded of John the Baptist, just bringing it. Where do you get that? I appreciate the comparison there. That's awesome. Um, I think I get a lot of it from remembering how lost I was. And um, I don't know. I just feel tortured how lost people are. Mm -hmm. Um, Keeps me up at night. And um, I don't know. I just look at how they preach in the Bible the the prophets and the these different men who were courageous and they chose to be courageous and they didn't care what people thought and people follow people like that and uh, I don't want people to follow me per se I want people to follow maybe me as I follow Christ but um God I just I just I want to save the world man I just it hurts me you know and um I just think about guys I, I come into people are just hurting man people people are so hurt and and all of our programs and philosophy, like they're not doing anything to help people. Right. And so I think when I read the Bible, I'm like, this is going to help somebody. Yeah. And I need to preach this. Like I actually believe, and I really do believe this. And sometimes I, you know, I have to fight through my own doubts and unbelief. We all have that, but, um, I have a, I, I'm angry to save the world. Right. Is what I feel. Right. Is that comes out when I preach. Your, your emotion came out, the passion, the reason, I mean, just, like you did share your testimony. It was really powerful. And, you know, it was it was great. It's a cool story because this last week, my wife and I needed to buy a used car. So we bought a used car this last week off of Craigslist and, you know, contacted this guy named David, went out to his house, met him, did some negotiation. And 
And uh, we were in the middle of negotiations, and he says, what do you do for work? And I said, I'm a minister. And he said, okay, I'm going to lower the price for you. <laughs> you so go. I, got, I got the minister's discount. Come on. But anyway, I, I invited him and his wife to come to church and gave him a card. And they said, that'd be great. We'd like to go. And But I didn't think anything of it. I thought, you know, this he's just saying that. You know, a lot of people have said that. But guess who showed up this morning or this afternoon? It was David and his wife. Yeah. And I knew going into it, this was going to be an intense lesson. And man, <laughs> you did not disappoint. And so I was sitting next to them. I'm just thinking, this could be their last time. <laughs> First and last visit to church. The flood. <laughs> <laughs> and you just preached. I mean, he preached it to those who were lost and just said, hey, when are you going to respond? Is it going to take you 120 years? You know, yeah. like it took those people. They just frittered away 120 years of, of time and they never uh, made a decision. Or are you going to make a change? Mm-hmm. And, and then you talked about repentance and baptism from First Peter 3, yeah. 21, and, and Jesus preaching to the to those in prison during the time of Noah. And it was, it was awesome. But it, it was a great feeling because... I had that awkward feeling like, oh my gosh, you know, just sitting there listening to you at the same time, kind of worrying about what they were thinking, you know, and I'm just like, Rob, don't worry about them. If they're open, they're going to love this. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what they said afterwards? They said, you know, that was like a slap in the face Mm. and we're going to come back. We're definitely coming back and we're going to tell our son to come here. Amen. And so I was so, I was so pumped and I I go, they got to be, they got to be somewhat open. To, yeah. to enjoy that lesson. Yeah, that was in uh I was like, thanks, Rob. <laughs> thanks for having me out to preach the, the flood. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there was a lot of great responses from the audience yeah. and from people. People they recognized the truth being taught. Yeah. And I, I go, it's right there. I loved what you said when you said only six chapters in, God destroys the world. Yeah. And a lot of times we don't believe that God is a wrathful God. Where mm-hmm. the false gospel teaches he's God is loving, period, full stop, end of discussion. That's all you need to know. Yep. Anything you want to comment on that? Yeah, I just, that, like we said, that's where religion stopped. People, the religious people, God's love, period. Now I can go do whatever. It's my license to live however I want because God loves me. Um, but man, if God is love, that means he hates evil. And um, like you said, six chapters in, he floods the world. And, and I just think about like, <laughs> This has seeped into our church, this teaching. Right. It has. It 100%. And you have these, you know, I, I won't name them. You have these terrible progressive groups in our movement that have actually risen up and taken people. And people are dying for the truth. Right. When you read through that Bible, that God is very different than the one we preach about sometimes. Right. And um, when we give people the full God, like, I just think we're going to create disciples, not just churchgoers. Hmm. When you understand what it is we've been saved from, like in six chapters, he flooded the world. That's what we deserve. And yet we're saved because he put all of that on his son. Like grace means so much more when you understand what it is you're being saved from. I'm not being saved from a pillow fight with God, right? (laughs) I'm being saved from being damned forever in hell. And his son took that for me. Like I'm, I'm all in for you, Jesus. Like, you did that for me. And so I just think giving people a full picture is, is important and uh, it will make disciple makers. I think it will. Any final comments uh, just about, you know, if on Friday night at the campus devotional, I loved what you said when you said, we tend to draw lines in the sand 
about what we'll do for Jesus and what we won't do for Jesus, like the rich young ruler. He was willing to do a lot, I mean, a lot more than many of us did, obeying the scriptures since he's a child. But there were a few things. He just said, I'm not going to do that, and he walked away. Let, expand on that a little bit. Yeah. Talk a little bit about where you feel like our, our churches are at, our disciples are at, and what we need to do to to really make a change for God. Yeah, I think I think we just got to get back to being in love with, with the Bible and, and looking at, okay, Jesus draw, he drew new li- no lines. So the rich young ruler, he's like, I'll follow you with everything except this. And so I think about what are our lines in the ICOC? I think 2003 was 20 years ago, and yet it, it feels like it happened yesterday sometimes. And I think we got to get rid of that line. Um, and I say that with all humility as a young man. I wasn't, you know, I didn't even know what was going on. I was a little kid. Um, that happened 20 years ago. And so I think we got to get back to, we need to grow the churches and, and, and disciple people. And, um, not, not in all the same things we used to do. I I get it. There's, there's things that we've repented of, but we do, we can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. We got to, we're here to make disciples and we're going to be unapologetic. So I think we got to get rid of that line. We got to get rid of this line of, you see these parents who are radical for God. And then they have kids, and they don't want their kids to be radical for God. You right. got to, you right. need to surrender your child to God. That's right. I got two daughters. Would I want my daughters to go on a mission team to Afghanistan? Like, no. But what if they wanted to do that for Jesus? That they need to love Jesus so much, it's like they hate me. Who am I to stand in the way of that? And so, I uh, we got to get rid of the lines. We need to evangelize the world. Yeah, that's right. Oh, I totally. I'm a hundred percent behind that. Really appreciate your passion. I've been called higher by having you come into town. Really appreciate your input, your sharing. If there's anything else, man, just um, you know, email me. Let me yeah. know. Because we certainly need your help, and, and I'm praying for revival, not only in our campus ministry here at the University of Arizona, but around the world. Yeah. That, that we see a, a spiritual revival that, yeah. that impacts all of our churches. Yeah. So thank you so much for your visit. Thanks for having me. You guys are awesome. Love you guys. Love you too. Thanks for listening to the Rob Skinner podcast. If you're enjoying the podcast, I'd like to ask your help and support through one of the following. First of all, hit the subscribe button and let your friends know about the podcast. It's been super encouraging to hear people share, hey, my friend told me about the podcast and it really helped me out a lot. Secondly, read one of my books, either How to Plant and Grow a Church or Courage, How to Make This Life Count. You can find those on Amazon, so please read those and leave a review. Because my goal is to inspire you to live a no-regrets life, to make this life count, and to multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. Have a great day, and make this life count.